Hello, welcome to a podcast for The Lancet Oncology, which forms part of our March 2019 issue. I'm Gavin Cleaver, and I'm delighted to be joined on the phone today by Bianca Herbman to talk about her recent work with the SIOPE Radiotherapy Working Group. Dr. Herbman, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, no thanks at all. <laughs> Please could you give us a little bit of background to the SIOPE Radiotherapy Working Group, and then maybe go on to talk about why it was particularly important, uh, in your opinion, to investigate vertebral radiotherapy dose for children. Um, well, the SIOP is um, short for the European Society for Pediatric Oncology, and uh, the Radiotherapy Working Group um, is an international group of pediatric radiation oncologists from Europe. Um, they aim to include as many European countries as possible, and they want to train and unify radiotherapy policies across the field. And uh, it is felt that this is especially important since there are great differences between countries in survival of pediatric cancer as well as long-term side effects. And uh, the goal is to equalize and improve those health outcomes. And the Radiotherapy Working Group organizes uh, meetings, workshops, uh, teaching courses, and uh, they provide peer recommendations uh, to guide optimization of radiotherapy protocols. And uh, this is mostly done because the field of radiotherapy is becoming more and more complex um, because uh, of new radiotherapy modalities uh, and techniques, but also because there are uh, more and more findings in molecular biology of pediatric cancers, uh, as well as differences in systemic treatments. So. Um, the field is constantly moving, and it's important for uh, pediatric radiation oncologists to stay atop of all those developments, in essence, to, to increase chances and quality of life for their patients. And uh, there are about uh, 250 pediatric radiotherapy centers across Europe, so equalizing therapy strategies is, um, well, to say the least, not the easiest task. And the, the, the particular task force on vertebral radiotherapy was formed because we discovered that um, even very experienced radiation oncologists had uh, different approaches to radiotherapy of spinal volumes in growing children. So they all knew that inhomogeneous radiotherapy could cause uh, skewed growth of vertebrae uh, and development and functional problems uh, such as scoliosis. And they all had taken, uh, certain, taken away certain ideas from literature, uh, as well as their own experiences, of course, and they had worked with that for years. And uh, in the past, um, when using 2D and 3D radiotherapy planning, uh, there was not much to work with um, because you had the inherent features of radiotherapy beams uh, that you had to accept, and there was only minimal room to uh, individualize uh, or adapt your radiotherapy doses. But uh, nowadays, uh, you can use intensity-modulated photon therapy or proton therapy, and this gives you a lot of freedom to really regulate your dose over any tissue volume. Uh, but that also means that you can give a really sharp dose fall-off over vertebrae and potentially cause more growth problems if you're not careful, if you don't think about that. So to explore different approaches uh, and local practices uh, concerning radiotherapy over spinal volumes, we sent out a survey uh, with multiple questions uh, to different centers, 
and we asked about uh, what dose could cause bones to stop growing, what gradients they believed uh, would skew growth, what age cutoffs they would use um, if, if they thought there was a difference between sexes, so if boys would have different effects than girls, etc. And uh, we found that the answers to that survey were really variable. So um, we knew that it would be good to come to a more broadly accepted peer consensus, and we would like to base that on a literature review. And everybody in the group felt that yeah, it was a really important subject to tackle, so, um, simply because none of the specialists had the definite answers to the problem of vertebral radiotherapy. And I, I'm very pleased that in the end, uh, people from 35 centers across Europe worked together in parts of the project, and uh, 32 representatives from 27 centers in 11 countries from Europe worked on the final uh, manuscript. Uh, what we did was we made an interview of the literature, and then we organized a workshop, and uh, through much discussion, <laughs> developed a consensus that is now published. And based on current knowledge, working with information mostly from old techniques, um, this is, we think, what we know and can advise to our view. Uh, but we mostly view these guidelines as a starting point from which to work out new studies and uh, through that come to new and better validated understanding of radiotherapy effects on vertebral growth. Yeah, so important to develop a consensus in, in these areas. Tell us then about some of the key recommendations that came out of your paper and the literature review, especially with respect to a homogenous radiotherapy dose, which is very interesting. Um, so after uh, doing a review on normal spinal development and the literature on radiotherapy effects of the vertebral growth, um, we, we also looked at how to establish the end of the most important growth for a child, and uh, we deemed that the end of the acceleration phase of the pubertal growth spurt and um, with all that information, we summed up the five most influential factors on uh, um, development aberrations. And those factors are partially uh, interrelated, but we deemed age at which a tumor presents and, of course, the child is treated very important, the total radiotherapy dose that is given, uh, but also radiotherapy dose in homogeneities over the vertebrae and the location of primary ossification centers and growth plates of the vertebrae. Um, that is where radiotherapy exerts most of, most of its effect. And um, also we found the number of vertebrae that are irradiated of importance. But I think we start the guideline with uh, an important message, uh, and that is to keep thinking for yourself when you are prescri prescribing a dose. So if a very important organ is at risk near the vertebrae, you may want to accept more inhomogeneity over the adjacent vertebrae um, than, than when there's uh, no special consequence of giving a bit more paravertebral dose. Uh, to give an example, if, if a child only has uh, one kidney left after nephrectomy for uh, a Wilms tumor, you will design your radiotherapy plan to put an acceptable risk on that kidney, and then you see what you can do to put least strain on the vertebrae. 
So overall, we, we recommend to keep the radiotherapy dose homogeneous in all directions of the vertebrae uh, that are within your treatment field if you can do this. If not convenient because there are other tissues at risk near the vertebrae that need sparing, uh, we are given advice on what kind of limits may be acceptable uh, to invoke only minor changes of the vertebrae when the child grows. Um, so in general, we state that there's a dose effect per gray given, and at any dose level, there's a more pronounced effect at a younger treatment age. So for example, under the age of two, uh, there's a substantial impact on vertebral growth, even at doses uh, below 10 grays. But between two and six, that starts at uh, doses of about 15 grays. And when a child is six up to the end of the pubertal growth, that is about 35 grays. So big differences there. And uh, we found that after the end of the acceleration phase during puberty, um, radiotherapy will have only very insignificant effects because the growth has almost stopped. So we have more uh, liberty to um, have inhomogeneous doses from that age onward. Uh, we, uh, we recommend to assess the end of growth uh, acceleration uh, for teenagers between about 10 and 16, and we recommend to use the Risser criteria and the Silvergrain criteria, and they use x-rays of pelvis and the elbow. And we have added an appendix to the paper to explain how to approach um, these classifications. So then we come to the um, radiotherapy uh, gradients that may be uh, acceptable. So if you need to accept those gradients, we deem uh, gradients that are given in the left-right direction uh, as most detrimental, but also posterior anterior gradients, uh, especially for partial spine radiotherapy, can cause uh, scoliosis, for example. Um, we advise to accept steep gradients in the cranial caudal direction. Um, and then in the paper, we proceed to give some direction to what gradients to accept in those different directions for different age groups and uh, different prescription doses. If you irradiate a paravertebral target in the thoracic region, we advise that of course, if possible, without compromising your target, you limit the number of vertebrae to seven, especially in children under the age of six, and if you give doses above 20 grays. Because if you cause too much growth stunting for the thoracic vertebrae, you can cause underdevelopment of the thoracic cage um, and potentially induce um, respiratory problems later in life. But this is more of a tricky recommendation because there's not a specific um, uh, guidance for this in the literature. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, the recommendations that you put forward arising from the framework, they're quite open-ended, so they can be revised as more data become available. So what research is needed from here on in, and, and what's expected in this setting that might change or adapt these recommendations, do you think? Well, we, we do give some uh, suggestions about this in the paper, 
um, first of all, we feel that there's a definite need for more high quality and preferably multi-institutional research on this subject. The studies that we represent in the review are mostly small uh, and performed in one center uh, with a few exceptions. And we need more valid, uh, substantiated research. So potential designs for such future studies could focus on several aspects of vertebral growth development. Um, you could use a uh, retrospective multi-center setting to gather big data from patients who were irradiated on the spinal axis and who have received high-quality imaging during their follow-up. And you could analyze those data to develop uh, prediction models. So in parallel, going forward with the recommendations that we put out in this paper, you can gather new data from patients treated with IMRT techniques uh, to be collected, and then you can validate and refine the prediction models that you came up with from uh, the retrospective studies. And then you can correct the guideline uh, when, when that is indicated. Uh, and in addition, you can also see if vertebral growth disturbances uh, need to be correlated with functional outcomes. So some growth disturbances can be objectified, but maybe the child or the adult will not have many problems because of that um, skewed growth. But you can organize that through uh, multidisciplinary late effects uh, outpatient clinics or scoliosis clinics. And you can involve orthopedic surgeons, rehabilitation specialists, and uh, through that you can get a validated and more precise view of the problems and, uh, and then uh, reevaluate how to organize your radiotherapy to prevent these um, well, as much as possible. Well, it's, it's really important that uh, guidelines were standardized in this area, and you can read Dr. Herven's work and her colleagues' work, of course, online now at thelancet.com, and you can read it in our March 2019 issue of The Lancet Oncology. Dr. Bianca Herben, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to present our work.